You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. NIST offers advice on telework, as does Microsoft. Things to do for your professional growth while you're in your bunker. Magecart hits Tupperware, and they won't be the last as e-commerce targeting spikes. DNS hijacking contributes to an info-stealing campaign. Apple and Adobe both patch. The U.S. publishes its 5G security strategy. And some thoughts on the value of work. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, March 26, 2020. Remote work, for those of us who are happily able to phone it in on the job, is very much the thing under the current state of pandemic emergency. NIST has used its March ITL bulletin to offer some timely advice about secure teleworking. The advice is pitched to enterprise IT organizations, not individual users, but enterprises of many sizes will find it useful. If you're not a big organization, you might take a look at Microsoft's Roger Halbier, who blogs a useful compendium of advice for smaller organizations and individuals. One of the resources he links to is a Microsoft page designed for the end user, the employee who's working from the home bunker. The advice is organized under three headings. Pick a good workspace, that is, find somewhere comfortable and private and a place that doesn't lend itself to shoulder surfing by, we had the example, your neighborhood busybody or voyeur with binoculars and time on their hands. So don't sit with your back to a window, for example. For conference calls or video meetings, be similarly aware of eavesdroppers or écouteurs, if we may coin a word for the audio counterparts of voyeurs. Keep your family or other housemates away from your work devices. Maybe they're well-intentioned, sure, but lead them not into temptation of viewing PewDiePie or the site that blows the lid off the WHO cover-up. Use only encrypted Wi-Fi for business. The second heading is keep your data secure. Use strong authentication to control access to your work device and access the cloud by multi-factor authentication. Maybe consider reviewing your passwords to make them a bit stronger. Encrypt your local drives. Ensure your device's software is up to date and properly patched. This especially goes for the browser you use. Store files in a secure cloud location and wherever possible, use the web version of your productivity software. The final heading is keep in touch. Stay connected to your organization's IT and security teams, and don't give in to the temptation to install and use Shadow IT. If you're a security professional with some enforced time at home on your hands, 
Here's something to consider. The Sands Institute has a large number of online no-travel courses available for professional development and certification. They're not alone either, although they certainly are well-known. A number of companies and institutions are offering online training in cybersecurity. Tupperware is the latest high-profile victim of the MageCard online card skimmer. Malwarebytes found the malicious activity last Friday and notified the company. As computing censoriously observes, Tupperware didn't do much about the issue until Malwarebytes took their discovery public yesterday. But the houseware company now appears to have cleaned its sight of the skimmer. Tupperware isn't the first and won't be the last victim of MageCart. Criminals can be expected to target e-commerce sites at an increased rate, a rate that's commensurate with the number of consumers driven from the malls to online shopping as they shop from home. You didn't think everything going on from home was work from home, did you? Bitdefender yesterday reported discovering an attack campaign that's changing DNS settings on home routers to redirect traffic to a site that purports to be an alert from the World Health Organization. The bogus WHO note urges those redirected there to download an app that will give them the latest information and instructions about coronavirus. Doing so, in fact, installs the Oski info stealer. The attack begins by brute-forcing vulnerable routers, mostly Linksys and D-Link devices, to get management credentials. The next step is altering the router's DNS IP address and redirecting a specific set of pages or domains to the phony WHO site. The malware is stored in Bitbucket, and TinyURL is used to conceal the Bitbucket link. And the final stage is delivery of the malicious payload. ZDNet lists some specific IP addresses to be on alert for. In these times of increased uncertainty, it's important to check in on your third-party suppliers to see how they're doing and what plans they've put in place to weather the storm. Michelle Koblas is Director of Customer Trust at AppDynamics, a Cisco subsidiary. I think that companies are doing a better approach to third-party risk management now than they used to. Organizations have gotten smarter about how they're doing management of their third parties. Uh, It used to be that when we first started this exercise, people would kind of just check the boxes on, oh, vendor has X, Y, Z. And now I find that companies are diving in a little bit more and going, what do I really need to know about my vendors? What of my risk am I handing to them? And what do I need to pay attention to, to what they're doing with my information? And what's happening from the vendor side? Are they prepping themselves so that uh, it's easier for them to, to demonstrate compliance, to prove that they're, they're doing what needs to be done? I think that vendors are doing a good job. I think that between the two, there's a lot of give and take still that goes on. And it's a really hard exercise for a company to manage their vendors and as a vendor to be managed. And companies have a lot of diverse vendors. So they've got a whole bunch of vendors out there that they need to manage and they rely on questionnaires, um, somebody who's in their environment looking at what's going on. The vendors on the other side are being slammed with hundreds of different kinds of questionnaires and information, and they're making a lot of information available and trying to put it all together. But it's a challenge on both sides, I think. I I think that we need to work towards a better exchange of information and a more consistent methodology so that it's easier for all of us to work this out. 
in the real world, people still have to get business done. Um, and so it seems to me like because of that, there has to be a little bit of messiness with this. There has to be some give and take. How much of a reality is that? Uh, that's the reality all the time, right? Um, yeah. Using any third party is about risk. And it's about risk management. And every organization has to factor in what their risk tolerance is. So, you know, it, it's a trust relationship between an organization and their vendors, right? You have to, first and foremost, make a decision. Uh, do I trust somebody with the data that I need to give them, with the access that I need to provide them? What happens if it all goes wrong in some way? And so the whole exercise is about understanding how much you can, and then how much you can trust, right? And that's about, you know, picking quality vendors, understanding who you're using, understanding that they also have risk in the game. And, you know, vendors for their part have to think about that too, because if, you know, as a vendor, you have to be like 10 times more worried about the data that you're getting than your customers or hundreds of times more worried about the data that you're getting than your customers are because they've got their data. They're worrying about their data. You're worrying about everybody's data, right? Mm -hmm. It really behooves vendors to remember that that burden is on their shoulders. That's Michelle Koblas from AppDynamics. Adobe has patched a vulnerability in its Creative Cloud desktop application for Windows. Exploitation of the flaw rated critical could result in file deletion. And Apple has issued what Naked Security calls a something-for-everyone update that fixes issues in iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS, and tvOS. The White House yesterday released the U.S. national strategy to secure 5G. Apparently, the strategy was ready to go Monday when the Secure 5G and Beyond Act, which included provisions requiring the president to develop such a strategy, was signed into law. The strategy defines four lines of effort. First, facilitate domestic 5G rollout. Second, assess risks to and identify core security principles of 5G infrastructure. Third, address risks to the United States' economic and national security during development and deployment of 5G infrastructure worldwide. And fourth, promote responsible global development and deployment of 5G. And finally, we've had a lot to say today and over the past two weeks about remote work. Those of us who can do our jobs remotely are the lucky ones, and we should spare a thought for those who aren't able to work at all. These are hard times for the people whose jobs are being called non-essential, and remember that the non-essential makes up the greater part of what we might otherwise call civilization. Non-essential shouldn't and doesn't mean trivial, inconsequential, or unimportant. There is dignity in all honest work. And spare a thought for those essential workers whose jobs can't be phoned in. We always think, and rightly, about police, firefighters, and first responders, of the people providing health care, and of soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines. We think less often about those who keep utilities up and running, and of sanitation workers and their jobs. And here's another category of usually overlooked heroes— the people whose essential work is supplying and operating grocery stores. Let's not forget the work they're doing either, from the farm to the checkout line. Thanks to all of you.
Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Tom Etheridge. He's the VP of Services at CrowdStrike. Uh, Tom, it's always great to have you back. Uh, you and your team at CrowdStrike uh, recently published a report. It's titled the 2020 CrowdStrike Services Cyber Frontlines Report. Uh, take us through, uh, first of all, let's start off. Uh, what prompted the creation of this report? Thanks, Dave. Uh, we produce this report annually. It's a summation of some of the key findings and trends that we've seen throughout the course of the, the prior year. In this year's report, we made an attempt at bringing in not just some of the themes and, and findings, but we also tried to piggyback that with a number of prescriptive recommendations and things that we would recommend to clients in order to improve their overall security posture and be able to better uh, detect and prevent these types of things from happening. Well, let's go through it together. Can you share some of the highlights from the report? Absolutely. First big theme was that about 36% of the incidents that we investigated last year, we categorized into a business disruption uh, category. Most of those cases were uh, ransomware, although we did see some destructive malware, malware propagation and denial of service attacks that really impacted organizations and their ability to uh, service clients. The second uh, piece from the report was around the ability for organizations to self-detect. We saw that almost 80, actually 79% of organizations uh, and their IR teams that we've engaged with were able to detect and respond to a breach without being notified by external parties, say law enforcement mm -hmm. or the attacker themselves. That was a, a, a good metric. However, the, the bad metric that we reported on is that the dwell time for attackers in organizations uh, increased from about 85 days to 95 days. And that's mm. due in part by 
the advanced tactics and techniques that many of these adversaries are employing uh, and the countermeasures that they deploy in order to remain hidden for extended period of times in organizations' environments. Was there anything uh, coming out of the report that was unexpected, anything that surprised you? One of the things that I'm certainly passionate about and something that we reported on in the report this year was the increase in third-party service providers, managed service providers being uh, a target for many of the e-crime adversaries that operate uh, in the ransomware space. And the advantage that uh, the attackers were following this past year was to really, rather than focus in on targeting a specific single single organization, they would focus in on a larger service provider or maybe managed service provider that serviced multiple customers in a particular industry or vertical. And that mm. that actually uh, provides the threat actor with more of a an attack surface in which to to operate. It seems to me that uh, this this report is uh, is uh, showing that uh, there's an increase in maturity here. That uh, f- the folks' ability to uh, to defend against these things is growing more sophisticated. We're getting better. Dave, one of the things we reported on this year is uh, again self detection. Organizations being able to self detect. Almost eighty percent of the organizations that we were engaged with were able to understand quickly that they were having a problem. Some of that could be due in in large part to the fact that when you have a ransomware screen splashed up in front of your computer, you you pretty much know that there's a problem. So self-detection is certainly a metric that we want to go up, but more importantly, we want organizations to be able to understand faster that there is a problem during the staging of certain malware and ransomware uh, in an organization's environment before... Uh, the ransomware is is launched, and they they get that screen splashed up on their on their system. All right. Well, Tom Etheridge, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.